Hey, this is Pastor Joaquin G. Molina from Spring of Life Fellowship, and I want to welcome you to our podcast. I hope you're encouraged with this message and you stay the course to change the world. God bless you. Father, thank you for this day that you have made for us to rejoice and to be glad. Thank you that we have come to the house of God, to the gathering of your saints, those washed by the blood of the Lamb. Thank you that we are here as your people, that one time we were not your people. And we are here with thankful hearts, celebrating and worshiping and praising your mighty name. We pray, O oh God, that your word would be a lamp unto our feet, a light unto our path, that it would be a good seed that would bring forth good fruit and a harvest in which you are glorified. We pray that your word would be sharper than a double-edged sword and that we might Allow it to do its work in our lives. We have come to be part of your people. We have come to obey your command to gather together in harmony, in unity, to dwell in a place where you command your blessing and abundant life. We pray that your word would prosper in our hearts as we are here to welcome your word as you have placed it in the heart of your servant. Be glorified, Lord, and do that which you do best in bringing us into that transformative life to be more like Christ. We pray in Jesus' name, amen and amen. We're talking about the theme of our 2023 year, which is perfecting worship, and we do so in the matter of um, holding on to what was formerly known as a creed um, for nearly a thousand years the church when it gathered would follow a formal profession or confession of the creed of the church we don't do that no more you, you don't see that as often people I remember growing up and listening to the Apostles' Creed, and almost like you would say it by memory without even tapping your thoughts into the substance of what was being said. And since it became a religious repetition, it lost its substantive value and purpose. But now what we have is a lot of those who profess Christianity who have forsaken the creed. They don't even know what they believe in anymore. And it's not unusual that people that are upon the earth are directing their efforts in directions that do not have promise. It was there in Acts 17, 23, that Paul finds himself in a city. And we were talking about this at the marriage conference. And we were talking about this yesterday with Dave, which is, why did humanity miss out on the first cruise? You guys remember Noah's Ark? God is inviting people to come onto the vessel and only one family decided to come on. And yet Jesus says that in the last days, the times will be as the days of Noah, where there was a preacher of righteousness telling people to come on the ark 
and to be saved from the flood, and no one paid attention. No one drew near. Only Noah and his wife and his three sons and their wives. So eight people were saved out of the multitudes. And I'm wondering if in modern day times, multitudes will miss the provision of God. And my question is, what is more important? What is occupying their time and their priority? So we, we talk this often with my children as we were growing up, these, these small boys, three boys and a girl, and we contemplate what the world is after, and there's a stark contrast to what we are after. There's, there's something that, that my, my children know that we do not flow in the current of this world. In fact, I've come up with a formula. Wherever people are running to, I'm doing the opposite. Wherever the latest craze and fashion and trend, you won't see me there. And it was funny because years ago, I was telling people that, look at all these people going out and buying iPads. And who needs an iPad? And all the university crowd, the living stones were super sad because they had just bought me an iPad and they were going to give it to me right after that sermon. <laughs> and the more I trashed the iPad, the more they sunk in their seats and looked at each other like I said, who thought about giving the pastor an iPad? So I had to apologize. It was a great gift. But, but I, I was against... You know, cryptocurrency, when it came out, you guys are my witness. I said, if the world is running in that direction, we, the body of Christ, have to go in the opposite direction. And if you're not, you're running with the current of the world. And if the love of the world is in your heart, the love of the Father is not. And so we need to be careful that we not be sacrificing where all these people sacrifice we're talking about perfecting our worship in Acts 17 23 Paul was going about the city and in verse 22 he says when he stood up in the midst of these uh, uh, the, the the leaders of the community he said men of Athens remember who these people are they they have stolen supposedly the intelligence of this world, they are the brightest and the bravest. I perceive that in all things you are very religious. You have a lot of religious activities going on in your life. In verse 23, I even notice as I pass through the city, the objects of your worship. So it's, it's not like people in Miami are not worshiping. They're worshiping this is how you define worship, where you spend your time, your talents, and your treasure. That is what you worship. And so obviously our time, our talents, and our wealth is well vested in the kingdom of God because we worship the one true and living most high God. That's who we worship. So that's who's captured our hearts, where your heart is, there your, where your treasure is, your heart follows. So our treasure in the kingdom of God, our hearts are committed to worship God. And he says, as I was passing through your city, I considered the objects of your worship. What do you, what do you see 
that people worship nowadays their condo, their house in the Keys, their boat, their car, their work. I have a friend of mine works seven days a week. His law firm is always open. Seven days a week? You got to be a devil if you go practice law on Sunday. You got to be wicked. So here it is. He's, he's looking at the objects of their worship. I, I would like to know what that would be in your life. What consumes your time? What consumes your talents? And what consumes your treasure? It should be the only one true God. And Paul says, I even found that you have an altar with an inscription to the unknown God. There was an actual statue there, and the bottom of it said, to the God we do not know. Therefore, the one whom you worship without knowing, I want to introduce you to. And he begins to direct their efforts at the God that they do not know. And so that's why the creed becomes so important. Because the creed was actually established to not lose people in what they worshipped. It was known amongst the, the original founders of the church, Romans 10.9. And they had this, if you confess with your mouth... Whatever you are confessing with your mouth, that is going to direct your steps to follow. So confession was a great part of the Christian church in its inception. And so they would confess many things. They would, they would fill their mouths to confess certain words that would align up their hearts in the direction they should follow. The course of your belief becomes the course of your conduct. And if you don't know what you believe, then you're bound to do anything outside of that scope. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, believing in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So this, this verse right here became instrumental and central to the Christian faith. Um, they called it, the structural elements of the belief of the early church. In fact, if you, did not, if you did not repeat the Apostles' Creed, they wouldn't baptize you. Imagine if you had to go into water baptism and the pastor's like, okay, say it. And you're like, old McDonald had a farm. And you don't know what to say. Well, in the early church, they knew what to say because it was the organized structure of their beliefs. And it was, it was tailored to such an extent so that the body of believers would all stay together confessing what they believed. This is the substance of the creed. The Latin word for creed is, I believe. And when you know how to utter the words of your belief, you're more prone to staying the course. We become so sophisticated in our belief, we have thrown out the creed of the church. 
So now if you were to ask somebody, so what do you believe? They're like, I don't know. Ask my pastor. I don't know. Ask the Bible teacher. Ask what's happening here on Friday nights with the discipleship. Part of what's being downloaded into the lives of, it's really powerful, 100 people decide to come out here on Friday nights. I don't know how long the class lasts, an hour? Hour and a half? So, so there's, there's people hungry and thirsty for God. And then there's some people that are picking another restaurant to go to. And, and that is a, just a very temporary existence of consumption. But, but to come here and to receive something supernatural. And I was blessed. My daughter's taken the discipleship class. And I asked my wife, why would Christina take the discipleship? She's serious about God. She wants to lay a great foundation for her life. It's not going to be any more her father or mother's faith. It's going to be her faith founded on what she is building. And a lot of people have no clue how sad they don't have a foundation for what they believe. Jesus said um, that it wasn't the substance of words that mattered. uh, So the creed is not a infallible existence but but ever since the church understood that confession was a great part of their belief system they said okay we will establish something known as the the apostles creed and it has certain words in there to help us identify with who we are now the creed doesn't go with you wherever you go Matthew 28 20 Jesus says lo I am with you always What's that mean? It's Jesus who, who, who is present in your walk. The creed is just a structural understanding of the process of how God visited the earth and understanding the elements of the creed helps you in um, the terrain. Uh, this, this was similar to Matthew chapter 6. Um, I think it's verse five. When Jesus says, when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites, but they love to pray standing in the synagogue and in the corners of the streets that they may be seen and heard by men. But I say to you, they have their reward. And then he goes on verse nine to say, when you pray, this is how you ought to pray in this manner. Therefore, pray our father who is in heaven. And you know that, that whole portion of scripture as the Our Father prayer. And he gives an example how they ought to communicate with God. This Father who's in heaven, hallowed be your name. Verse 10, your kingdom come. What you're saying is you reign, you govern you established the king's domain in my lifetime here on earth. It says your will, the king's will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so the elements of the Our Father was also a confession that the church held for a long time. I think nowadays if you ask somebody to repeat this prayer, they would have forgotten. They would have not known how to establish this prayer 
in their exchange with heaven. Now, yeah, after a time, it became so repetitious, repetitious, it meant nothing. People would say it by heart. I had some friends that were escaping from Cuba. They were on their raft on the way here, and they testified. They, they looked at each other. There were three fellows on a raft, and they said, listen, the Coast Guard, the Cuban Coast Guard's coming. We need to pray to see if God helps us. So they said, does anybody know how to pray? And one guy did know how to pray. He said, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And he said to our Father, and then he said, amen. And they said, is that all? Then say it again, our Father who art in heaven. They didn't know how to pray outside of the Our Father. So in that, in that course, this is an example of prayer, but it's not the only prayer. And so you see elements of this throughout Scripture. And they, they had 1 Corinthians 15, 3. Paul says, for what I received from someone in the faith, I delivered to you that which I also received. So if you're not passing down the elements of our beliefs, they're lost. We don't know anymore who we are and what we believe, um, but we are to pass down the elements. And I, I want to bring this up. Uh, I think that, that this will strike a chord. Many of you will have remembered saying the creed as you were part maybe of the Catholic Church who kept on that tradition but these creeds were there way before the Catholic Church came into existence. There, there were elements of the faith that were undeniable. I've asked the media uh, crew to put it up here. This is the Apostles' Creed. Maybe, I don't know if it's legible. Yeah, it's legible. Uh, maybe we could all say it together. And, and I want to say it slow so that you guys are are capturing the weight of the substance of what the original Christians, about the th th third century, fourth century, this is what they would repeat every time they came together. And it, every time they baptized a Christian, he had to say this, she had to say this by memory. And I doubt many of us would be getting baptized if that was the case today. But let's read it together. One, two, three. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord. He was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate. He was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven, and he is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Church, the communion of the saints, forgiveness of sins, resurrection of the body, and I believe in the everlasting life. Amen. Hallelujah. That's a mouthful. Now, I want to tell you something. I did a funeral some years ago, and every time I said, Jesus died as the Lamb of God to take away the sins of the world, an old lady in the back would say, that's a lie. 
she discounted everything I would bring up during my funeral sermon. And I told the people there, there you have the expression of an unbeliever. Someone that doesn't believe these things. Someone that doesn't embrace the Christian faith. So this morning, super important as we go back to understanding that the creed was established to ground Christians to what they believed. Um, you see what happened there when Paul in Acts 17 approaches those people. They didn't have a clue what they believed. And they were worshiping other objects other than the one true God. The one he called the unknown God. He was unknown to them. And so I find it to be a travesty that we don't understand what we believe. Um, a lot of people, again, want to have a pastor to believe for them. But the nexus of receiving everything God has for us is the capacity we have to believe what God has left us. And if you're not tapping in to those things that are available to us, that you confess them, you will not have them. Super important that your belief system would take you to the place where you are confessing what you believe that you might lay hold of the things that God has for you. And so it was a very long time in our family that we didn't know how to pull out of those things that we believe. The, the early church fathers in Acts chapter 15 in verse 1, um, they made sure that, that the belief systems are correct because if the belief systems are incorrect, then you don't get to where you're going. And so there was some men who came down from Judea and taught the brethren. There was, there was teachings coming into the church that unless you're circumcised according to the custom of Moses, you cannot be saved. The men just got past the book of Galatians. We know that that was such an inappropriate insertion to the Christian faith. And Paul was unsettled that people were saying you needed to be circumcised to be saved. He says, no, if you believe you need to be circumcised to be saved according to the custom of Moses, then what Jesus did on the cross is useless. The more you press in on those beliefs that are untrue, you are actually forfeiting what is true. And so that's why we pray this morning that, that you find the need to press in to what you believe. And while the Apostle Creed is a great anchor of the faith in many respects, but that you not settle for just that expression, that you not just appropriate yourselves on the Our Father. One of the, one of the creeds of the early church is found in Philippians chapter 2, verse 5, where Paul tells the church, make sure that in your mind, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ. Let yourself understand the roadmap of God through his word and that you're thinking like Christ would think. And then you say, what was Christ thinking? Verse six, it says, who being in the form of God did not consider it taking from God that which was equal with God. He, he was, you're made in the image and likeness of God as a man 
but that doesn't make you God. Make sure that, that your dependence on, on God is greater than you understanding that you can call the shots, you can decide, you can choose, you can live as you will, knowing right and wrong, but that doesn't mean you're eating from the tree of life. Verse 7, it says, But he made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a servant. And these, these actual steps led the early Christians to receiving the provisions of God. Instead of questioning or controverting, challenging what God says, move quickly in the direction of his instruction. Jesus became a servant, even though he came in the likeness of men, verse 8, being found in the appearance of man, he humbled himself and became obedient. Learned the life of obedience to the point of being obedient to death and death on a cross. These are several elements that require greater intensity. Obedience is one thing, but to death is another, and death on the cross is even another level of obedience. He was obedient all the way, even when it caused him to suffer. And verse 9, he says, for this reason, since he had the mind that led him to be a servant and humble himself in obedience to death and death on a cross, he was ushered in to high exaltation. Therefore, for this reason, God highly exalted him, giving him a name which is above every name. And then it goes on to say, verse 10, that at his name, every knee should bow those things in heaven, on earth, and below the earth. And verse 11, and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. This is one of the, the early church creeds. They, they, they saw this in Paul's writing and actually would repeat it often so that they would stay the course of conduct necessary for God to show up. Um, one of the concerns we had in our church 25 years ago when we began is that the elements of the basic teachings of the faith needed to be brought in in order for us to have a church according to the heart of the Lord. So it was 25 years ago that God gave us that preaching, Godly Man or Peter Pan. We understood that the church was made up of mature men. It didn't come out of the air. A lot of my pastor friends have said, why do you concentrate so much on the men's ministry? I go, well, because God says go and make every man a disciple. Men is the basic building block of the church. If you don't have men in the church, something is severely wrong. If you don't have, the second preaching was godly woman or wicked witch. That's, that, some people think that that's my latest and greatest. No, that was the first and the best. 
that if you don't have godly men and godly women, you don't have a church. Because the youth are going to follow an example. And they can't follow footprints that don't exist. So the challenge in my home is I want to be this amazing husband so that when Christina goes to choose a husband, she's not going to find him. She's trying to see if this guy doesn't act like my mom's husband, he's not going nowhere with me. It's not going to happen. But the model of the footprints we've laid down based on what we have believed, that's what the word creed means, what I believe. And your children know what you believe and what you don't believe because we're not to trample our beliefs. We're not to treat them as as ordinary. The, the opportunity, it happened uh, here during COVID. Um, it happened also a year ago. We stopped meeting for the men's meeting on Monday nights. And the men were always saying, how come we're not meeting on Monday night? I go, because you don't come. <laughs> oh, but we want to meet. Well, there's no meeting now. So you missed out. When we did meet, the people that met were blessed. Amen. And now that we're not meeting, you're not blessed because you didn't meet when we were meeting. But, but the, 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 the concern we've had for 25 years is that our beliefs might be honorable before God, that they might be authentic. It would be horrendous for us, Yvette and I, to come in here week after week, day after day, Sunday after Sunday, and at home, we're doing something different. Our beliefs are that which we embrace inside this building called a sanctuary and we take it home with us and it's actually the course of our conduct when we are not here. Years ago, I was starting out my law practice and, and Yvette was at home with all the kids and I said, I need to take her on a cruise real, real quick or she's going to go insane with all these children. There's four small children under the age of five and... I booked a cruise for five days in the Caribbean and we walked into the boat and we went to the counter and we said, today is Saturday, tomorrow is Sunday. I said, do you have church services on the cruise on Sunday? They said, well, if there was a priest on board, we usually would have, but there's not. I said, yeah, but there's a pastor. And so they said, okay, if you want to have a service tomorrow, we'll announce it to the entire ship. And so they put it on the morning schedule, 8 o'clock, Sunday service with Pastor Molina. And then they came and they were scared because they thought I was going to say, if you gamble, you're going to hell. They're like, what is the pastor going to preach? And I, I didn't go that far, but I did say, how come God prospers you and blesses you to go on a cruise and then you come and give your money to the devil at the gambling? I didn't tell them they were going to hell. But three, there, there was about 100 families, 100 people showed up, and, and three of them were renewing their vows. Now, we had to tell one of the three that we could not renew their vows because it was a boyfriend-girlfriend that were never married. So you guys got to do your first vows before you renew the vows. But two of those people, we had ceremonies on the ship renewing their vows and their marriage covenant after one was 15 years, the other one was 20 years. And I told my boys, they were seven, 
maybe seven, five or six and seven. I said, you guys get prepared for tomorrow when we have our service on the ship. I want you guys to bring your memory verses. Because they were in Sunday school and they always had their memory verses. That was a big deal for our kids growing up. And, and so they were able to see mom and dad didn't play Christianity. They were Christians. Wherever they were, they were living out what they believed. Even on a cruise ship, on our vacation, we don't take a vacation from the Lord. Amen. We serve the Lord all the time. And so people say, man, can't you get away from the church already so that you could rest? This is my rest. Jesus has become our rest. He's become our confidence. So it's not an imposition. It's not an obligation. What an honor and a privilege it is to believe in Christ. What a blessing it is to know that he's for us and not against us. What better place did people feel they would find when they were not upon the ark? How is it that in our modern life, and this is, this is what we say, in the world, these people are getting more and more of the world, and they are more and more hungry. They're more thirsty. They don't seem to quench their thirst with their pursuit. And, and this is true in economic terms with people that pursue money. They're like, money, 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 money. And the more they have, the less they're satisfied. The more they want. They asked one multimillionaire, you already have 100 million. How much more do you want? He said, one million more. Never satisfied. This world does not satisfy. Our God does satisfy and so we're able to get on with life. One of the biggest joys we have in this season, it's not empty nesting for sure that our kids have left our home, but to see the joy of our children living what God has called them to as the highest order of their joy, of their peace, of their enjoyment, of their marriage, of their home. And so we have to ask God, God, let us go back to confessing those things that you have for us. Romans 10, 10. He says these words, for with the heart you believe, but with the mouth you confess and it is made to you a reality. Begin to take the word of God upon your lips You've already brought it into your heart and your belief, but begin to make it your narrative as your confession to be your reality. And so these men and women were required to confess the things they believed prior to getting baptized as evidence that they were receiving what God had for them. Lord, Instead of talking so much nonsense and hearing so much nonsense that the words of my mouth, the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you, that it would be your confession. Um, I've made it my course of conduct to speak the word of God and not my opinion. Not, not what I think. What I think doesn't matter. And if what I think doesn't matter, you know what I think about what you think. It doesn't, it has no weight. You're a flyweight. You're like that boxer that says, okay, stand on the weight and it's zero. 
And they say, sir, stand on the way. He's standing on the way, but he has no substance. So a man that is filled with his own ways is a backslider. A man who is filled with confessions that have nothing to do. Do you know a man who could describe the statistical data of an athlete in 1974? He played for the University of Miami. 1975, he went to play for uh, the, the first round draft pick. He ran this many yards. He threw this far. He got the, the what's that called? The high... The Heisman Trophy, he did this, he did that, he does this. Hey, sir, do you know anything the Bible says? No, I have short-term memory. <laughs> they know a lot about a lot of things and nothing about the things that matter. Your family should know your creed. They should know what you believe in. And why? Because that's your confession. And that ushers in the provision of God. But we don't follow the way of the Bible. We're not... We're not anchored into the challenges of knowing God. Uh, we told the men on Monday night, it's criminal for a man to make the Bible boring. It should be the course of conduct. But from the time my kids were five years old, I taught them Matthew 5.37. I said, boys, they were small, they were young. I said, let your yes be yes and your no be no. Anything else you say is from the devil. That turned back to bite me. They were seven years old, and they, I, they said, Dad, are we going out on Saturday? I said, well, maybe. They said, no, let your yes be yes, and your no be no. And so they were quoting scripture back at me. For whatever is more added to these things is from the evil one, the uncertainty. That's, that's the bipolar existence. That is a divided mind. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. So embracing these things we know and are confident of. Philippians 1.6 is one of those verses. We are confident of this very thing. That he who started a good work in us will complete it. According to his promise until the day of Jesus. There's so much scripture that is rich. And in that regards, I think it was 1 Timothy 115. This is a faithful saying worthy that everybody accept it. These are the creeds of the Christian faith. Those things that are faithful and worthy of embrace, of welcome. What are those things? And usually men have come up with all manner of sayings that are not scripturally based and have no foundation in faith. I heard one lady say this week, she said in Spanish, Cuídate que Dios te cuidará. Take care of yourself because God will take care of you. Something like that. And I was like, lady, that's not in the Bible. The Bible says, cast all your cares upon him for he cares for you. Don't make God your crutch. Make him your stretcher. Rely fully upon him, upon his word, upon the substance of those things that are faithful, worthy of all acceptance, that Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners, and then Paul says, of whom I am chief. I am the worst of all these 
that call themselves sinners. I just want to share with you these elements of a church that is losing the foundations of its faith, and so they no longer know where they stand. Um, I've been asked for the last couple of weeks, uh, many pastors have called me, and they've said, what do you think about these revivals in Kentucky? There's a university called Asbury in Kentucky, and it seems to be that they are highlighting a revival service that's gone on now for two weeks. And, and I asked these pastors, I said, let me ask you something. Are we supposed to read the Bible? Yes. Are we supposed to pray? Yes. Are we supposed to sing to God? Yes. Are we supposed to testify? Yes. So if we're doing those things that Christians do commonly, is there a revival? Can't be a revival. When you're doing what you're supposed to be doing. And if you're not doing this, I have a question for you. What were you doing before? Revival is seeing a man live for the glory of God. Seeing him take care of his wife and his children as Christ takes care of the church. Years ago, it was promise keepers that came out and did a supposedly revival on the land and there were the 10 promises of a promise keeper and I read it and it says one of the promises be faithful to your wife don't cheat on her I was like wow that's revival <laughs> no that's ordinary and common and a man who's not being faithful as his wife is not a Christian because we're to love our wives as Christ loves the church and so that being said um, listen if somebody starts praying and singing and testifying and reading the Bible and wants to call it the revival, praise God. But I think we're in the midst of a revival right here. And, and people couldn't see it for the life of them because they're not willing to go there. When you tell men to go get a job, oh. I say a man with a job is a revival. He's providing for his house. The Bible says if you provide not for your house, you're worse than an unbeliever. And on one day, I asked God, I said, that's not fair. How about tough times? And he says, Joaquin, I have promised to provide for every man. And if that man is not receiving my provision, it's because he's not under my lead. And that's why he's worse than an unbeliever. And I freaked out. Because God has promised to provide. God is not going to leave us without provision. He's Jehovah Jireh. He's the God that provides for us. He provided us some lamb chops for Valentine's Day. When we went out without reservations, I told Yvette, I said, fear not. Just like Abraham saw the ram in the thicket, your lamb chops are going to be stuck somewhere. We'll get to them. And God was faithful and opened doors. But God is always providing. God has always promised to provide. He will not deny himself. He's a faithful God. We have to worry about us missing his provision. The Bible says in Psalm 68 verse 6, a rebel will dwell in a dry land. The rebellious will dwell in a dry land. But God puts man into a place of prosperity surrounded by family. As one who is released from bondage from selfishness 
And so we know the God we serve. We must declare these things so they're passed down from generation to generation. You see elements of the Apostles' Creed all over the letters to the disciples. In 1 Timothy 3.16, Paul says, this is the, this mystery, this great, without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. And part of this God manifested in flesh Justified in the spirit, seen by angels, preached amongst the Gentile, believed on in the world, received up in glory. They were all elements that were showing forth the work of God in our midst. We should marvel at these things. We should be so blessed by the expressions of God's inhabitants towards us that is found in those creeds. 1 Corinthians 8, 6. Where Paul writes, yet for us there is one God. I, I, I rebuked a lady. Uh, uh, that's not uncommon. But I was sitting having lunch with, with a Russian lady and her adult Russian daughter. And, and a, a friends for years that we testified to 25 years ago. So the, the, the daughter is old now, a lot older. And she says, I believe in God, but I don't know his name. And I turned to the mom. I said, see what happened to your daughter? She became cursed because she doesn't know how to call upon the name of the Lord because you didn't teach her. You, you had religion, but you didn't have substance. And so for, for whatever our children are going to receive, they're going to have to download it from us. And they're going to wonder why the substance of what God promises is not present. So I, I just want to bring you back to the importance of what you believe is what you receive. And if you don't know what you believe, you are diminished in the substance of what you can attain to. As I see things in the Bible, and we said it this week on Wednesday, James chapter 1 verse 5 where God instructs us, if you lack wisdom, ask God. Where do I go to find wisdom? Where do I go get a fill on thinking like God? I ask God, who gives to all. See, that, that doesn't discount anyone. Nobody could say, well, God, God doesn't have favor. God is not. He chooses the pastor over me. He chooses uh, my, um, the, the teacher, the Bible teacher, but not me. No, the Bible says he gives to all liberally, abundantly, without blame, it will be given to him. And what is the purpose of this wisdom that God gives us? It's there in verse 7. Let not this man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. Well, who's the man that doesn't receive from the Lord? Verse 8, a double-minded man. A man who doesn't get on with receiving what God has for him, so he goes with lack. And so that, that is what we have seen over the years. That if you're properly planted in the house of the Lord, you shall flourish for abundant fruit. 
how sad it is for a man to prosper and then uproot and go somewhere else with his prosperity. How sad it is that God would bless you and prosper you and then you take it elsewhere to celebrate. I want to finish in these five areas of understanding if we do not hold on to the creed of our faith that it could be one day your family loses its faith because they have not confessed what they believe. Being reminded of a creed allows Christians to never stray in error in any directions. That's what they were concerned about. If we repeat these elements of the Apostles' Creed, they would be foundational to stay the course. Doesn't matter what nation they went to or what families and communities, they would all be confessing the same things. A reminder that we are watching God work upon the earth. Never discount what God is going to do in your life. And I, I want to establish this. Greater than your capacity. When, when Victoria Lopez turned 15, there was a great celebration. One of the young girls here at church. And she comes from a great line of powerful women. Great-grandmother was tough as doornails. Her grandmother, Milady, is amazing. Her mom, Anna Lopez, is the Starship Enterprise. And so she's the daughter of this great line. Uh, there was no men in that lineage. Only recently as Anna gets married to Richard, but, but the earlier years, there were single, strong women that were raising, there were single mothers their husbands had left. They said, I'll toe the line. So on, on Victoria's quinceañera, her 15s, I walked up to her and I said, you come from a line of strong women, but never allow your strength to be greater than God's strength to sustain you. Don't confide in the fact that you're capable and able, but, but rely upon the Lord and let him be your strength. Let him direct your path. Let him fight your battles. And I, th I think that that was the most amazing provision of God for that young lady that day. You're strong. You're capable. You're able. But never allow that to interfere with God's capacity to be strong on your behalf. To fight your battles and to raise you up. Let's stand this morning and, and ask God. God, bring us back to the place where we're reminded about the Father. Those were, those were the elements of the Apostles' Creed. Ready for here? Here it goes. Ready? The Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, the church. Those were five foundational aspects of, of being able to profess these things as the cornerstone of our faith. And now, in modern days, the people have thrown out the baby with the bathwater. Oh, it's all repetitious. It's all religiosity. It's liturgy. It's... You start throwing out elements of our faith as believing in the foundational truths of the word of God and you're left with nothing. You're left with nothing. The creed reminds us that God has stayed the course throughout history and, and even in our, watch this, this is what they call this nowadays, 
They say that we're living in a post-modern existence. That's how foolish the men of this world have become because there's nothing, you can't pass modern because modern is the ever-present. So you can't post-modern. Just like those people says post-Christianity. I said, you're crazy. Without Christ, we can do nothing in this world. You can't leave Christ in the past or you have nothing. So today, we know that our actions speak louder than our words. But these words that we've heard today are actually allowing us to keep up with our expression of contemporary worship. If you're not saying that God is the father and creator of all things, you miss out with a great element of our faith. Every time something was going on in our home and my boys and my girl would say, how come this is happening? I could say, I don't know. And there's, there's nothing. I said, cause there's a father in this house. There's substance that ties them to something greater than themselves. And that's what the creed does. You're not believing because you have belief. You're believing in what God established from the beginning. He's the creator and father, almighty of the heavens and the earth. Jesus Christ, his son, conceived of the Holy Spirit, born of a virgin, suffered under Pontius Pilate, crucified, died, and was buried, descended into hell and rose on the third day from the dead, ascended to heaven, sat at the right hand of the Father. And from there, he will come to judge the living and the dead. We'll give an answer to our wayward way of life. We said that people live crazy lives because they've lost the fear of God. Reminding them that they're gonna be judged by Jesus Christ is a great incentive to get back on track. I believe in the Holy Spirit. I believe in the work of the Spirit to perfect us, to lead us, to remind us of the things that Christ left us. And then he talks about the church, and that's you and I. We are, we are a great expression of God's work upon the earth. A lot of times people sit there and say, well, how do you know God is true? All you have to say is, look at me. What do you mean, how do you know God is true? Look at me. I would be totally in, in another course of life had I not come to believe in Jesus Christ. I love Pastor Richie's testimony. All he has to say is there was a time in my life where the things of this world could not fill me, but the love of God embraced me. I'll never be the same. When we went up to New York about three years ago and I was overwhelmed, I was starstruck with meeting Steven Spielberg. And then... I see Pastor Richie says, hi, I'm Richie Ray, and I want to tell you, he tells this to Steven Spielberg. I was like, wow. He says, I want to tell you what happened to me in 1974. That to me was awesome because there were so many things to talk about. Steven Spielberg says, I love Richie Ray's music. I have it in my car. I listen to salsa all the time. I go, a Jewish from Brooklyn listens to salsa. <laughs> and Richie went straight to his creed, what Christ did for him in 1974. That talked to me about authenticity. That talked to me that the greatest thing that ever happened to Richie was not to become king of salsa or sell records or become famous and make money. It was what Jesus did for him. So what do you talk to people when you're at that spot? That's your creed. 
And that's what's going to help people come to Christ. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you that you have established these things that we not go astray. Thank you that certain men have crept in unnoticed and they're trying to steer the grace of God away from what you have done and the cross. These foundational truths of the things we believe that others decide not to believe. Others have decided to doubt and to question and to walk away from the foundations of our faith. We give you thanks, Lord, that we're being renewed even this morning to anchor in strong with the things that we believe, that we not be shaken or moved by winds, by waves, by floods, that we would be grounded in Christ and have an answer for why we believe what we believe. And while many are leaving the faith and giving up their creed, this morning you have reminded us of the blessing and of the favor of God that's upon our lives because of the things you've done way before we arrived. And there's great promise in what you're going to do with the church. As you've said, I'll build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. That we could stand strong in this place and fight the battles of the Lord and know that you are taking us from glory to glory, from victory to victory, from triumph to triumph. And we will see the end of these things come to pass as every knee shall bow and every tongue will confess that you are Lord for the glory of the Father. In Jesus' name we pray and the house of God says amen, amen, and amen. Greet one another in the love of the Lord.